Good morning, church. How are you all doing this morning? Well, just before you seated, we have a prayer request this morning. And so we're just going to pray for Chantal. Uh, she's had a stroke and uh, the family are trusting God that she will make a full recovery. Can you say amen? So let's unite together in agreement as we pray for Chantal. Father, thank you today that your word is alive, your word is powerful. And that when people pray, when your children pray in agreement, your word says it will be done for them of their Father in heaven. So we pray for Chantal and we thank you right now. We speak a word of recovery into her life. We thank you, Father God, that she will be healed and made whole. And we command every symptom of the stroke to leave her body now in Jesus' name. And we speak healing Divine, supernatural healing from the presence of God over her life now in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said? Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a good praise in the house today as you are seated. God bless you. We're going to dig straight into the word and then we'll do uh, all our uh, house news and a couple of things at the end of the service. So you can just remind me of that. But uh, just thank you for being here today. If you are visiting for the first time, you are very welcome, and we are so glad that you decided to be in church this morning. Now, we are in a series called It's Go Time, so why don't you just say that with me, say it is go time. And don't forget, we are live on version on the Bible app, so if you want to follow there or take your own notes, you're so welcome to do that this morning. So let's dig straight away into the Word of God. We're here in Matthew 28, and we've been looking from verses 16 at Jesus sending out his disciples as he gave them the Great Commission. Let's read a few verses here and remind ourselves as we dig into the Word this morning. Then the 11 disciples, remember one had already fallen off the bandwagon, the 11 disciples went into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Aren't you glad today that Jesus doesn't chase you away because you're doubting? Amen? As a matter of fact, he comes and he encounters with you and engages with you so you can move from a doubter to a believer. So you can move from doubting to worshipping. Amen? So uh, don't feel uh, condemned this morning. Remember, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has a word for you this morning. Can you say amen? And it's up to you to open your heart and receive it. But Jesus came speaking to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, say all things, and that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now remember last week we spoke about our sandwich. Who remember the sandwich? Amen. And so we spoke about the sandwich that Jesus builds for us here. And how many know that bottom slice of juicy, hot, fresh bread is all authority? Amen. And the top piece of bread, that hot, juicy, fresh slice of bread on the top is, lime with you, always. Say always. And how many know the filling is the command? Go out, make disciples, go and baptize them, go teach them. But we must not forget 
the sandwich. Now, I had a great time this week. It was actually quite humorous and fun listening to everyone I engaged telling me what filling I should put on my sandwich. I mean, I had some people almost stop short of rebuking me for using the word peanut butter from the pulpit. And I mean, I am with them on that. Who eats peanut butter? You know what I'm saying? Anyway. And I, I had some great suggestions. You know, what about onions? Fresh onions? I don't do onions. I only do fried onions. They must be chopped to an exact size. They've got to be fried properly. Uh, but anyway, maybe you want to have onions. I'm fine with that. Whatever you put on your sandwich, it's good. But you know what I discovered? No one, say no one, said to me, listen, Pastor, you've got to leave off the bread. Who puts bread on their sandwiches? You know, let's just, let's just have the filling. No, 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 no. How you know, everybody, regardless of what you love, on it, you want bread in your sandwich. So it made me think a little bit about bread. How you know, you get so many options. You get ciabatta, my personal favorite, especially at Mug and Bean when they just crisp it nicely. Whew. Let's preach on so we can get to breakfast. Then you've got fresh white bread, you've got health bread, you've got uh, rye bread. How I many you know, you've got so many options of different bread and, and the sky's the limit of what you make your sandwich with. But remember what Jesus said in John 6, 35. Please turn there with me. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Amen. I'm the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. What a powerful scripture. Jesus wanted to remind us of two very important facts. He is the center of everything. Amen. He is the most important sustenance of your life. He is your bread and he is your water. I love that he gives us quite an amazing clue here. If you're hungry, you need to feed on the word. If you're thirsty, you need to stimulate your belief. It's quite clear here. He says, if you're hungry, come to me. And if you believe, you're going to be filled. And so it's so important in our lives what we believe. Good morning to the online church. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And we hope that you're experiencing the glorious presence of the Holy Spirit as we are. But here's the challenge. How many of you know the reality is in life, we can get so busy, we can get so caught up in life, doing the things of life, even doing the things of ministry, that we don't realize that we're actually hungry. We don't realize that we're actually thirsting. And what happens is we start to fill ourselves or try to sustain ourselves with the things we're doing. And here's the truth today. Things can never fill you. Stuff can never satisfy you. And so the amazing thing about faith, the amazing thing about serving God, it doesn't matter where you get in life, it doesn't matter how many prayers you get answered, it doesn't matter how incredible God uses you in your life, you still have one need. You need bread and you need water. And the only one that can give you that spiritual life is Jesus. And so he's trying to get a point over to us. The key is you've got to keep showing up in the presence of God. And no matter where you are today, no matter what mountain you're facing, no, what, no matter what giant's standing in front of you, no matter if you're on the top of the mountain and you've knocked down your giant, I want to encourage you today, keep showing up in the presence of God. 
Keep getting filled with his word because that is where the sustenance comes from. And we're going to see this morning just how important this is. He goes on in another place. Do you remember in Matthew 4 and verses 4 where he'd been led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted? Do you all remember who led him to be tempted, the Holy Spirit? Why? Because the Holy Spirit had confidence that he was going to stand on the devil's face and squash him. And you and I need to realize in Matthew 4, 4, he answered and said to Satan, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So remember this morning, Jesus is your life. Jesus is everything. And I believe more than ever before, Jesus is bringing his church back to this reality. You can have all the music instruments. You can have all the sound, all the lighting, all the building, all the impress. You can, you can be on Twitter, Instagram. What's the other one? No, Facebook's dated. It's the other one. TikTok. You can be all over the place, but if you don't have Jesus... At the center, if you don't have the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can have all the bells and whistles, but you don't have substance. And God's bringing us back to Jesus is the substance. Amen? And when we realize that, I want you to know this is really deep for you to understand. He was saying to them, listen, you've all got different gifts and talents, and I'm going to use you in different ways to reach the world, to preach the good news, to baptize people, to teach people. I'm going to use you in so many multiple ways. It's incredible. The world not be able to fathom the depth of my wisdom. But here's the most important thing. Remember, I am the bread of life. I am the one who gives you authority. I am the one who will never leave you forsake you. And so no matter what we're facing in our lives today, we need to remember. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha? Jesus passed by their house and there was quite a number of people, maybe 20, 30 people there at the house and Martha got so caught up serving, preparing the meal, making sure everything's perfect. And how you know, we'd all want our house to be perfect if Jesus was coming. We can't falter on wanting, you know, wanting to serve with excellence. But Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. But who got the rebuke? Martha did. And Jesus said to Martha, he said, listen, Mary has chosen the one thing. And I'm not going to take that away from her. And so we need to realize today, if you turn into Acts 17, verses 11 to 13, we see quite a beautiful picture here in the book of Acts of the power of spending time in the presence of Jesus. In Acts 17, verse 11, it says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with readiness, and they searched the scripture daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, Many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica learned about the word of God that was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there to stir up the crowds. Isn't it amazing that these these people that he's speaking about, it says they were more fair-minded. In other words, their minds were alert. They never just heard the word. They took that word and they spent time with themselves and with the Holy Spirit, digging into the word of God, making the word of God real. And it says, therefore, because of that extra effort they put in, uh, in the sense of getting into God's presence, studying the word for themselves, making the word of God part of their own lives, many of their neighborhood, many of their community believed as a result. 
And so again, we see this encouragement. Getting into God's presence, studying God's word, making God's word part of our lives is such an important aspect of our service before God. And notice something I want to encourage you today. It says when the others heard, the religious folk heard, they came there to stir up the crowd. Whenever you and I get ready and we dig into the word, whenever we're ready to get into the presence of God, isn't it amazing how many distractions come our way? The phone starts ringing. There's this urgent need. Pastor Tony's favorite one he used to use is his creepy crawly would literally climb out the pool. And suddenly you hear the sucking. And you're like, no, I'm going to leave it. I'm getting into the... Okay, let me go sort it out. Distraction upon distraction. Why? Because the devil does not want you and I to love the word of God. He does not want us to get into God's presence. He does not want us to enjoy the fullness of that anointing because he knows when you get filled, you become powerful. When you get filled, you become stable. When you get filled, and you're going to see it right now, what happens is you actually enter into the rest of God. So let's dig in a little bit more and let's break down what Jesus was saying in the Great Commission. Number one, the mission is go. Say go. Say it with me again. Say it's go time. All right, listen, that's the mission. We've got to go. But the vision that he gave us with the mission is this. Go make disciples. Go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember last week we said that means a whole lot more than just baptizing them. It means discipling them. It means mentoring. It means leading. It means having multiple ways that you reach out and bring people in to the vision of God. It equals obedience. And then number three, the third thing we see is that Jesus gave them provision. So we have a mission. It's go time. We have a vision. We'll see just now. Go make a difference wherever you are. But we have the provision. And what is the provision? Authority and knowing that God's with us. So actually we see that the Great Commission, its go time is three-dimensional. And how you know when something's three-dimensional, it gives clarity and it gives instruction and it helps us to understand the depth of who and what God wants us to be. So let's dig into this a little bit this morning. Let's have a look at these three dimensions because they really make a difference when we understand them. Number one, the first dimension, and we've spoken about it already, is that Jesus is always the center. He is the bread and he is the water. He is our sustenance and he's the one that gives us stability. He is the source of everything. So always make sure that you're in him. Always make sure that you're allowing him to be the center of what you're doing. Turn through to Matthew 11 and verse 27, and we'll see the significance of this as we dig into the word this morning. In verse 27, it says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows them, sorry, no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Listen to this, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So he starts to introduce something very, very powerful into the life of the disciples in this context. He's saying this, the way you move forward with your mission, which is go, is you have to learn to operate in revelation. You have to operate in the things that God is revealing to you. And the way God reveals things to you, we'll learn just now, is firstly by spending time with Jesus and secondly by allowing the Holy Spirit to be real and alive on the inside of you. 
Because you see, God can reveal something to you about God, about your life, about your marriage that will revolutionize where you are and where he's taking you. And it'll be something that he doesn't share with me because he's not revealing that to me because it doesn't apply to me in my life and my situation at the moment. So look at the person next to you and say, you need revelation. Right? Now, there's a powerful example of this. Do you remember when Jesus came to his disciples and said to them, who do you say or who do they say the Son of Man is? And they gave him a whole lot of answers. And then Jesus said, no, 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 but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Son of God, sent by God to redeem mankind. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, upon this rock I will build my church. What rock? Because he turned to Peter, he said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. This was revealed to you by the Spirit of God. So it's not that he builds the rock, not that he builds the church just on the rock, which is Jesus. He builds his church on revelation. On the revelation of who Jesus is. So you see, whenever you come in contact with a problem, whenever you face a mountain, whenever you're facing a challenge this week, remember it's an opportunity for you to say, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me in this situation. Because whenever we face something, it's another opportunity to grow in our revelation of who Christ is and what he can do in your life. So he says, listen, it's whomever the son wills, whoever God reveals to him, that is the one who will know. And then he says this. He gives the key to revelation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Please underline that. Revelation only comes when you rest. So you've got to come to Jesus, not come to Jesus charging heaven, presenting all your problems, all your challenges. Lord, you've got to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do there. That, that'll come, but you need to come with the attitude of rest. You need to come into his presence. Look what he says. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from, you, uh, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now the word reveal here in the Greek, I won't even try and pronounce it, just forgive me, but it means this, it means to take, off, take the cover off something that was previously hidden. And you see, no matter where you are today in your walk with God, there is new things God can show you. There are new things God can reveal to you. We're discovering even as a church, God is not finished with us. Can you say amen? There are new domains and new levels and new regions God wants us to operate in, but they come through revelation. He wants to lift the cover off. He wants to disclose the things that were previously hidden because you weren't ready for them, but now you are. And as you step into that, you began, you be, you'll begin to see things in a new perspective. That's why, listen, whenever you're faced with a challenge, it's not a challenge that's the issue. It's what you're going to do in the challenge. Because God is going to use that to launch you into something better, bigger, greater, and more revealing than it ever was before. Just look at the person next to you. Say, it's go time. All right, now. Let's take a look at this word rest, because I've, I've actually personally never studied this word rest, and I found it very encouraging. The first uh, description of the word rest here, and it's very interesting, he uses rest twice in this portion, and if you'll study Hebrews 4, where he speaks about the rest of God, he uses the word rest about seven times, and it's three different words he uses. 
So we just read it as rest, thinking it's rest, but there's actually a different description to the different parts of that word. The first meaning for the word rest is to soothe. God wants you to come into his presence so he can soothe you. He can quieten your mind and get you to a place where you're not trying to figure it out, but you're actually just in his presence. He wants to soothe you. It actually has three meanings. It means this. It means to cause or permit someone to cease from their movement and their labor. Listen to this. In order to recover and collect themselves. And how you know we can get quite frazzled out when we're facing circumstances, we can't see the answer or the solution, and we're starting to try and figure it out, work it out, or become anxious about it. And he's saying, no, 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 you come into my presence, I'll give you rest. I will soothe you, and I will help you to unpack, to unload, to stop your movement so you can recover and collect your strength. Number two, it means this, to refresh, to give you the rest you need, all right, to quieten down, and listen to this, to become calm and have a patient expectation. So how many of you know when things go wrong, we want to extend our emotion. We want to get busy finding solutions. We want to get busy solving the problem. And actually, spiritually, you need to do the opposite. You need to take a step back and come into his presence. And then the second word, some of you are going to love this so much, the second word he uses for rest means this, to take a break. Listen to this, to have some recreation, which is good for your soul. So I've, I've made a new declaration this week, whenever it starts getting hectic, I'm going to go play golf. If we translate it, that's really what it's saying. Take a break. Go get some recreation for your soul. Now listen, this, is, this word rest, this word soul here, and remember we spoke about this a few weeks ago when we spoke about the heart. We said you've got to really look at the context when it uses the word heart. Is it speaking about the spirit? Is it speaking about my imagination? Is it speaking about my soul? Here where it speaks about you'll find rest for your soul is inclusive of all of you. In other words, spirit, soul, and body. As a matter of fact, it uses the Greek word psyche, which involves all of you that causes vitality to happen. In other words, he doesn't just want to bring rest to your soul, to your spirit. He wants to bring rest to your mind, your will, and emotions, which will affect your physical body. So how many of you love it today? Jesus is not just interested in the spiritual aspect. He's interested in every aspect. There's nothing too small or nothing too big that God doesn't want to be involved in. So notice something. The minute I start coming into his presence, I'm going to enter into rest. So that tells me something very significant about my walk with God. If I'm worked up, if I'm not resting, it's a red flag. It tells me that I'm trying to get through this on my own. Amen? 
So I need to realize whenever I'm not resting, it's a red flag. You've got to put that red flag up and you've got to fly it and you've got to say, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. I'm not entering into the rest. This is a, a flag for me. If I'm getting frustrated, if I'm feeling burnt out, if, I'm feeling, if this is becoming a labor, listen, I need to take a step back and I need to get into the midst of his presence and let Jesus be the center again. Now turn with me with that in mind to Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm reading it out of the, the NLT second edition. And I want we, quite a few verses, but just listen to them in the context of what we're saying. We know, it, we know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Verse 5. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. Verse 6. So God rests, so God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. Verse 7. So God set another time for entering his rest. And that time is today. Say today. Say it again. When is the time to enter into rest? When is the time to enter into rest? Okay, remember that now today is the time to enter in the rest. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, say today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. So how do I enter into rest? I listen to what God is saying and I let God know that I'm listening to what he's saying. Because when he speaks, when? Today, when is the time to rest? Today, when I hear his voice, what must I do? I mustn't harden my heart. What must I do? I must respond to what he's showing me. When? Today. Say, today is my day. You see, it's go time because when you're serving God and you're in the kingdom, you're now born born again, you're now washed in the blood, today is the day. Say, today is the day. Say, today is my day. And I will rest. All right, let's read on. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So he swings us back to Joshua where they went into the promised land. And how we know they spent their whole existence in the promised land fighting giants. So they were fighting for their inheritance. They were fighting for their promise. So they didn't enter the rest. But he said there is a rest coming. Now look at verse 9. And I love it in the NLT. It says this. There is a special rest. Say a special rest. Still waiting for the people of God. When is it? Today. We've entered into that rest. We've entered into that place where the gospel is complete. The inheritance is paid for. The victory is already ours. All we've got to do is apply it to our lives and step into it. Amen? And then verse 10. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their own labors. Guys, I made a decision again this week. I've made it a lot of times in my life, but I made a fresh decision this week. (laughs) I'm not going to labor to try and make things happen. I'm going to rest in God, and I'm going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to make them happen. Can you say amen? In other words, if it hasn't happened yet, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep getting into the presence of God, presence of God and I'm not going to let go of the dream of the promise because God is the one that's got to make it happen. 
And he will make it happen. Can you say amen? So in other words, rest here furthers, further on in two, two of the Greek words here in Hebrew, which are the other words for this Greek word, actually mean this. It means to lead someone to a quiet place of living, to restrain them and stop them from striving. God wants you and I to rest. And that's the first dimension of its go time. If you can't step into the rest which comes from his authority and the fact that he's with you, you're going to struggle to fulfill the commandment of preaching the gospel to all the world. And so as a church, we've got to enter into God's rest. Now we'll ramp it up and we'll see what this means. Now that's the first dimension. Here's the second dimension this morning. Are you glad you came to church? And it builds on this. The second dimension, and please write this down. When you rest, you make room for the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you're not resting, you're not making room for the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings the grace of God, which is that divine empowering that leads us to where we need to be and allows God to do the work in us. The rest means you've given up on the struggle and you're now allowing God to show up and do what you cannot do. Let me give you two Old Testament examples quickly. You know them well. The first one is Gideon. I know the story of Gideon has come up a few times in the past few months. But I want to just pick up. I don't have time to go to the whole story. But have a look at verse 13. And you know it well. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord had come to Gideon and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. All right? Now look at verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which your fathers told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. The Lord has delivered us and into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. And you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Israel, indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Now, scholars are starting to change their mindset regarding this verse. Because when the angel said, Go in this might of yours, we've always interpreted it as him saying, You mighty man of valor, go in that might. But he doesn't say it after he told him he's the mighty man of valor. He says it to him after he, Gideon, says to him, I'm weak, where's God? There's nothing happening. I'm the weakest of my tribe. My tribe is the weakest. And he says, go in this might. Go in the might of your weakness, because in your weakness, my grace is made perfect. So when Gideon said, listen, don't you understand I'm the weakest I'm not just in the weakest tribe, I'm the weakest in the weakest tribe. And the angel said, go in this might. Why? Because he recognized he couldn't, which meant God could. So you see, whenever you and I get to the end of our struggle, God says, thank goodness. What took you so long? Now that you give up, I can step in. What have we learned? When you work... He rests. When you rest, God works. 
And so it's a reminder, when Jesus was standing in front of the disciples and he gave them this beautiful sandwich, he was saying, listen, partner with my authority and never forget that I'm with you and you will fulfill the mission. You will walk in my vision. You'll fulfill what I've called you to do. And so what happens is this, Gideon realizes, listen, I understand I have a lot of questions. I'm doubting. Where's God? No miracles. What's going on? I'm the weakest in my tribe. And the angel says, that's exactly what you need to realize. You can't, but God can. Now go in this might, and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Now we know what happened after that. God whittled them down from thousands to 10,000 to 300. Because he wanted to show up and say, listen, I'm the one who did this. And it was exactly the same. Go look at David and Goliath. David was excluded. David didn't even know he was going to fight the giant that day. And you know why he didn't? Because if God told him, he probably wouldn't have gone. But he showed up to deliver food. Bread and sandwiches. (laughs) To his brothers. And there was cheese on that sandwich. Just by the way. He showed up to deliver sandwiches to his brothers. And then he saw the giant. He's like, what's going on here? I'm a nobody and I know my God can deliver me. And he found himself taking on the giant. So the second example is Jacob. How many remember the story of Jacob? And the story of Jacob is one that's dear to our heart as a church because God gave such a clear prophecy of encouragement to us in 2018 around this. But I want to just pick it up uh, from verses 24. You can go study it in your own time. In Genesis 32, we know the same struggle Jacob went through. And then the Lord changed Jacob that night. He showed Jacob how it was only when Jacob stopped grabbing and wrestling to try and get the blessing that God started to give the blessing. And literally he had to put Jacob's hip out of joint to stop him from struggling. How many know Jacob had struggled, manipulated, deceived to try and get the blessing of God on his life and that night he realized the minute I stop struggling, God can start working. And he left there with such a blessing and such favor that he became, that night God changed his name from Jacob, deceiver, manipulator, to Israel, prince of the Most High. So when you and I stop struggling and we allow the Holy Spirit into our situations in life, we make room for him, guess what? God changes us from Jacob to Prince. And we operate in the power of the Prince of Peace. You see, you and I cannot wrestle the blessings from God. It's when we stop scheming, reasoning, and trying to make it happen, and we rest in the grace of God, and we allow the Holy Spirit to work, that we can step into who we are called to be as children of God. Now, bear that in mind and have a look with me at Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18. Are you getting some help this morning? All right, verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verse 17, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out the good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Isn't that amazing? So when you and I allow the Spirit to have reign in our lives, 
we will overcome the things that are trying to overcome us. Remember this morning, the Holy Spirit comes speaking peace, speaking righteousness, showing you who you are in Christ and giving you the strength. And so I want to just give you this verse quickly, and then we'll go to the third dimension and we'll wrap it up. But here's the things you and I can do to make sure we keep the Holy Spirit welcome in our lives. Have a look at Romans 14, verses 17 and 18. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 18. He who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by God men. So you know what? Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Keep your peace and remember today that you are the righteousness of God. And you know what? You're making the Holy Spirit feel welcome in your life. The third dimension this morning is this. As we go, which is our mission, we're empowered by his vision. And what is God's vision for our lives? Reach others, empower lives, and build his kingdom. In other words, we could say it like this. Make a mark on your world. Amen? God wants you to make a mark on your world. And here's the reality, church. God uses you in a unique way because you're unique. And I want to encourage you today. Keep your time, your treasure, and your talent and use it for the kingdom. Use it in the way that you use it. Be who you are. Be the best you you can be because none of us are the same here. None of us have the same talents. None of us have the same giftings. But I want to encourage you today, and I said it at the beginning of the series, you've got to connect your life with the purpose of the kingdom. Because if you don't connect it with the purpose of the kingdom, you're losing the anointing and the vision that God wants you to have in your life so that you have the go, that you have the strength to keep moving Forward. Have a look at uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Two more scriptures and I'm going to close. Proverbs 29, 18 in the King James says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But they that keep the law, happy is he. Now in the New King James it says, Where there is no revelation from God. But listen to this. In the Amplified Classic, it brings it out so beautifully. Let's turn there and just look at what the Amplified Classic says. It says, where there is no vision, and in brackets it explains the word, no redemptive revelation of God. Even in the Old Testament, when, when, uh, when, the prophet, uh, sorry, when Solomon, the wisest man in the world, wrote this book, he said this, he understood vision is about the redemptive power of God and love. It's about the redemptive plan of salvation. And so you see, you want vision in your life. You have to connect it to the gospel because that's where hope comes from. If you're not connecting your life and your vision and your marriage and your children and everything you do to the message of Christ, you're not going to have the vision. You're not going to have the sustenance you need to see that through to the end. Now, it gives us a reference here, and this is the last scripture this morning I wanted to show you. It gives us two references to this portion of scripture in Proverbs 29. The first one is in 1 Samuel 3, 1, and you all know that speaks about Eli and Samuel. And it starts off and it says this, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There was no redemptive revelation. There was no vision. And the second one is Amos 8, 11 and 12. And listen to what it says. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, 
but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from the north to the east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. What a scary time. And you know, Amos was prophesying towards the end of the book of Malachi where there would be almost 400 years where there was no redemptive revelation of Christ. And then Matthew starts and the Gospels come and Jesus comes onto the earth. And so what it's saying here is, listen, when we don't connect our lives with the vision of God, we will experience a famine, not natural, but spiritual. And how many know there's no need for us to have a famine in our lives because Jesus paid the price. The word of God is alive and it's rich and it's full of some substance, uh, sustenance. But you need to remember this morning, your vision needs to be connected to redemption because that is where the hope of God is. Listen today, don't let negativity steal your joy and hide you from your purpose in Christ. I want to encourage you today as a church. Listen, the church is going to step into its finest hour. God is not finished with us. The church is going to step into its finest hour, and Jesus will come because how many know he is preparing his bride? And he said he will come for a perfect bride. He'll come for a complete bride. And you know what? You and I are part of that this morning. So don't let the enemy steal from you any longer. Can you say amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's go time, church. Let's trust God together. Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the power of your, of your gospel. I thank you for the power of your word to those watching online. I hope you've been encouraged this morning. And I hope the word of God is taking root in your heart and in your life. God is good. And he is faithful. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love nothing more than to lead you in the prayer of salvation. So simply respond from your heart and pray this prayer out loud with me today. If you're sitting here and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life today, simply lift up your hand. Say, yes, I want to be born again today. I want to leave here today knowing that I have salvation, that my life is right with God and that I've been born again. Is there someone today who'd like to receive that? God bless you, sir. I'm so excited about that decision. Is there someone else today? Say, yes, that's me today. God is drawing me into this place with him. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to harden my heart today. If you're online, if you'll just quickly, in this moment, just settle yourself down and pray this prayer out loud. If you raise your hand, yes, sir, would you just stand quickly? And just go to the back of the auditorium there and just stand with our leaders there. We want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's just pray this out loud with our friend this morning and with those online. Say, Father God, I believe today Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for my sin, that You raised Him from the dead so that I could be saved. I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And I declare that I'm now born again and I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. We are so excited about that decision today. We're so excited about you online. If you prayed that prayer, please send us a WhatsApp. We'd love to send you a Bible. We'd love to pray and encourage you as you begin to serve God.